Hi, this is Daniel James, and this is the podcast of Triple R's The Mission, a weekly radio show exploring the issues that impact the lives of Aboriginal people and those at the wrong end of social justice in this country. The Mission is broadcast live on Triple R each Tuesday evening. Hope you enjoy the podcast and feel free to get in touch via the Triple R website. Well, good evening. Welcome to episode 00051 of the mission. My name is Daniel James. I'd like to start off by acknowledging the uh, land from which I am broadcasting from, the land of the Wurundjeri people of the Kulin Nation, and I pay my respects to their elders past, present and emerging. Um, I am broadcasting from Radio City Docklands again this evening, and I probably will be for the foreseeable future Uh uh, it's um, it is what it is. I know that we're doing well in terms of uh, flattening the curve, but um, you know, if you can stay home, do stay home. So why not broadcast from home if you can? I hope this is coming out uh, loud and clear to you all. Um, now I hope you're all looking after yourself. Um, the curve continues to flatten out, <clears throat> and let me just try something here. Just correct my. Uh, Yes, technicality is working well. Um, hope you're all looking after yourself. The curve continues to flatten, and you can almost hear the collective sigh of relief bounce around the dark and empty streets of old Melbourne town. I'll tell you what, it's uh, a lot easier doing self-iso when you have a great radio station to listen to. And though I'm a bit biased, but hasn't Triple R risen to the occasion beautifully? Some of the broadcasters on this station are worth as many pennies as some of the overpaid radio celebrities on commercial radio, I'll tell you that much. But they don't produce these shows for money, they produce them for love. And let that be a segue into a friendly reminder that April Amnesty is still on and the support of the community, the support the community has shown Triple I so far has been phenomenal. It's the support of the community that keeps the radio station afloat at the moment. So if you haven't already... Um, put in a, a donation or a subscription, you just um, know that if you do, Triple R and Melbourne will thank you for it. Now on to tonight's show. In a moment, I'll be joined by Ben Armstrong. Ben is a Wiradjuri man and last week he penned an article on behalf of Indigenous X and in The Guardian on the need to see more blackfellas in the fields of science, technology, engineering and mathematics or STEM as it's become known. Uh, well, he just doesn't malign the fact that there aren't enough uh, Aboriginal people in STEM careers. He's doing something about it, and you'll find out more about that shortly. And in the second half of the show, I'll yarn with uh, Catherine Little, the CEO of the First Nations Media Australia. They've recently developed a project called Indigimob, which aims to help and develop uh, digital literacy uptake and access in remote communities at a time where it's never been more important to do so. Um, and there's never been a, um, a more critical time to be clear, culturally appropriate um, set of communications for a mob in a time of COVID. So we'll speak to Catherine about that and more. So stick around, uh, put down the alcoholic swipes and uh, pick up an alcoholic beverage and sit back and enjoy the mission. This is 102.7 Triple R FM. Independently yours, Triple R. 102.7. You're listening to The Mission. My name is Daniel James. Um, as we've all become acutely aware in uh, recent weeks, the fields of science, technology, engineering and mathematics, or STEM, 
have never been more important as we deploy our best minds to try and find solutions to try and tackle COVID-19. STEM workplaces and careers have been an area where Aboriginal people haven't really made many inroads yet, although we do have some fine leaders in that space. We make up um, just uh, we make up three percent of the overall population, but we barely make above zero percent of the workforce in STEM. And so here with me now on the line is Ben Armstrong. He's a Wiradjuri man based in Sydney. He is a manager of global services at Hitachi Vantara and director of the board of Indigitech, a not-for-profit organisation that aims to increase the participation and success of Indigenous people in the tech industry. Ben penned an article last week for Indigenous X in The Guardian on the very subject, and he's on the line now. Ben, welcome to the mission. Hi, Daniel. Thanks for having me. Absolutely no problems whatsoever. First of all, um, how are you, uh, your friends and family, dealing with this uh, current crisis? Uh, we're doing very well at the moment, as best as can be. Um, I have a, a young family, um, two kids under the age of five. That's a little bit challenging at home. No, um, I imagine. Uh, but, yeah, um, but we're getting there. Um, and I'm still very thankful to have um, my partner and I to have our jobs um, mm. and to have some flexibility in those jobs to be able to, to look after the little ones Um uh, you know, during the, the days that they would have normally been um, at at preschool and, and daycare. So doing our best to keep everyone social distanced. And it's a little bit tough on the little ones. They, they miss their grandparents a lot. Um, you know, they miss family and friends, but they, they, they're coping pretty well. Yeah, I've seen some um, sort of like adorable, but at the same time heartbreaking footage of, um, you know, on, on television and the like of kids, you know, wishing their grandparents um, um, all the best from afar. Um, but it is what it is, and it's, it's for, for, for their benefit, of course. Now, um, in terms Absolutely. of um, STEM, Aboriginal people are leaders in so many fields, whether it be the arts, sport, public administration, academia, journalism, et cetera, et cetera. Why are there so few of us in STEM? Well, I think it's just been one of those those situations where it, it hasn't been promoted. I mean, um, you know, if we look back to around the 80s, it, it, when when I guess technology and computers were really starting to, to take off, you needed a lot of promotion and a, and a lot of people to, to really engage you to get you started in that. Um, as we went to the to the 90s and up into the you know the dot dot-com boom, I guess you'd say, there was very, very few uh, First Nations, Indigenous people in, in STEM. Um, at university, um, in the early 2000s, I was one of two at UTS that was in computer science. Um, it, it was it was very, very, um, I think it's just one of those things that was really hard based on all of the systemic issues that we that we go against to, to, to really see yourself succeeding in. Um, you know, we know that this, you know, that's a general stories. We see a lot of great sports people and we can aspire to be them. Um, they're very visible and it's that visibility that we didn't have and we still really don't have a lot of, um, as technology has changed though, um, you know, in the 2000s, especially since, you know, 2010, I guess onwards, um, and become such a integrated part of our lives. I think that, um, a lot of, in, a lot of First Nations people are, are quite, Skilled at technology in general, and they and they understand it. They're quite and you know they've got intuitive skills to it, um, mm. but still don't see themselves as potentially having a career in that space. Yeah, I mean, if you look at um, you know social media and in, in particular Twitter, um, the use of that flat platform and Instagram and and um, 
I feel to a lesser extent Facebook just shows, and, and it's something that we've always known is that, you know, um, Aboriginal people take to new technology like, you know, a fish to water. But I think there is that yeah. disconnect, as you mentioned, that uh, there, there is a disconnect between seeing that as a useful way to, to communicate and utilise skills and, and, and produce content, but there's a disconnect between that and actually having or seeing a career out of it. Yeah, I think, you know, Black Hollow Twitter and TikTok were just taken over right now. So, <laughs> you know, it, it is that, that huge uptake and, 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 and connectedness um, that we love and we, and we embrace. Um, but, you know, we, we, we need to, to shift that, you know, or use that energy and, and create this focus on, on those careers as well. Because, you know, going forward over the next five to 10 years, and that's potentially accelerated now due to COVID. Um, yeah. You know, the, yeah. those statistics are from pre-COVID times, I guess we should say. Um, you know, the the need for the te- technical skills all, all across the STEM, but th- that need and, and that explosion of innovation is going to be critical. And and it's some of those things that we need to really get our, our, our kids interested in. We need to show them that, you know, this is something that's not just, you know, Games are cool, and it's a great way to get them engaged. Um, you can have a career in that. Um, you know, doing TikToks—that's great. You could have a career in that media and things like that. So there's, we've got to got to encourage that a lot. And it's not something that you're just talking about or writing about. It's something that you're actually actively trying to do something about through, um, in particular, your work with um, Indigitech. Um, tell us about tell us about Indigitech and what um, the aim of that organisation is. Right. Yeah. So, so Indigitech started uh, in 2015. Uh, it was uh, five of us in a pub that got together just to 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 get um, have a yarn um, and share some experiences and come up with some ideas um, with the five um, black followers that we knew that worked in technology um, in all of Sydney. Um, and since then, um, it's grown significantly. Um, in 2016, it was registered as an organization. Um, in 2018, achieved Type 1 charity status. Um, and since then, we just keep growing. We started off really doing events um, to create that platform and that space for uh, Indigenous people to come together um, who work in STEM fields um, and create a community. Um, also for, for non-Indigenous folks too to come come in and, and, and show support and also, um, you know, learn, listen, talk, engage um, and in, expand their community as well. And, 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 and that's been really helpful for lots of good, for lots of reasons. And what, what, what are um, people, what are, what are Aboriginal people that are currently working in STEM telling you about the environment that they're working in? That's a really interesting question because when I talk to, um, I say, I would say people who are more established in their careers, I think, we, and, and I consider my, you know, myself as well on that, I think we've gone through a number of um, trials, I guess you could say. We've, we've, we've seen a lot of stuff. Um, and that, that means that we've experienced all of the, a lot of the issues that you would expect to experience in, in any organization with the systemic issues, but it amplified more in, in, in science and technology um, just because of the lack of indigenous people there. Sometimes you, you may not, uh, you know, uh, 
be yourself, I guess is one way of, of putting it. Um, the mm-hmm. younger generation that I speak to and people who are potentially working in more progressive organizations who are a bit, bit more leadership in the field, they have a different view. They seem to, they seem to um, exp- have a different experience where it is more um, empowered, um, they are included more, and, and, and they are not celebrated because they're that one diverse hire, but they're actually celebrated for their, for their knowledge and their experience and, and their differing opinion that they bring to the organization. So I think it, it kind of varies a little bit um, across the across the Indigenous tech community. You're listening to The Mission on Triple R 102.7 FM. My name is Daniel James and I am speaking with Ben Armstrong. You penned an article for The Guardian last week on behalf of Indigenous X around the need to and the, the dire need to get um, uh, numbers up in terms of the number of Aboriginal people working in STEM careers across the economy. Um, what, what do we need to do, Ben, to, to get these numbers up? Uh, we need to increase our visibility and increase our participation rates, um, and, and that's that's a very broad kind of target, I guess. Um, what we need to do, we need to get the kids engaged. We need to show them that uh, they they really can aspire. We need to have great role models um, out there and being being seen. Um, we we work with kids, and I and and last year uh, we worked with Indigilab to do an Indigenous hackathon. And the kids that came in there, especially these kids from Wagatha country, um, they created this app uh, in design, really, not in its entirety, but in its design and, and its functionality, I guess you could say, uh, to basically the game, but it was teaching culture as well. The, the, you see the kids get engaged and you see how quickly they pick this, these, these, these um, ideas up and they pick up the design sort of structure and they understand it. It's really intuitive to them. We need to promote more of that. We need to get those digital literacy skills um, as a priority for, for the younger generation so they can carry that through and then continue to engage with them consistently, not just walk in and walk away. It has to be a deep engagement model where we're consistently and, and, and always working with the communities to empower them, right? There has to be self-determination to it um, and there has to be increasing digital literacy across the years. That way, we're going to start to build the pipeline. Um, we know we need to also address the current pipeline issue. So we need to we need to start to you know shift the the mindset and get people over and into into those fields, the STEM fields. Provide them with opportunities, the training, the skills, and the knowledge, and then and go from there. I guess one of the it's challenges. Topic. Yeah, it's a very big topic. Um, I guess I guess one of the challenges is that. Um, in terms of, in some ways, in terms of career opportunities, anyone in the Aboriginal community that sort of shows uh, a bit of talent in terms of being a, um, a potential employer, no matter what their field is, often can get snaffled into those higher paid sort of public service jobs that, um, that uh, you know, have actually got now a sort of a, a long history in terms of the, a track record in terms of being um, a career for Aboriginal people. So it it's you know a competition between you know sport, competition between the public service, competition between the community sector, of course. But it's it, it sounds like it's that engagement in the early years, the relatively early years of uh, of a kid's life in terms of um, STEM and technology in particular that is the thing that needs to be followed through on, and that's something that Indigenous Tech Indigi Tech actually tries to um, assist people with. 
Yes, so we have uh, working at a Digitech is the incredible Celeste Carnegie, and she's our program director now. And she is putting together that deep deep engagement community uh, based model right now, so that uh, we can get out there and start getting getting this up and running. Um, it's very important, and it's it's very she's very passionate about that. Um, and so we're very lucky to have Celeste working with us. Um, it's just primarily because it's you know this she is in her element. Um, so it's one of the things that we're working on uh, this year. COVID's kind of put a bit of a delay on that, I guess, because obviously we wanted to be face to face, and now we're trying to work out how we can maybe start this off remote. Um, but you know, it's getting it's getting out there and 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 engaging with the communities. That's that's the most important thing. Um, it's interesting because the other the other day the CSIRO Data 61 released a, a megatrends report for the next sort of 20 years, uh, and it's very interesting because obviously digital literacy skills are in there as a as a key gap, um, and this is across not just Indigenous people, this is just across the country. Um, one of the things that they mentioned in there, which is I think is really important as well, is, is entrepreneurial um, skills. So whilst we need to look at our digital skills, we need to also, to, to your point about the traditional sort of jobs and being ushered away into them, we need to also empower um, our, our younger generation to think more entrepreneurially and mm-hmm. to really come up with innovative ideas and have the confidence to be able to put them put them out there, have the confidence to be able to fail and continue to move forward, um, to be able to to have, you know, into into connection and interpersonal skills and, and also and some you know things like emotional intelligence because whilst there there are key jobs in 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 STEM that are very um, digitally technical focused there are a lot of roles around that around STEM itself that may not necessarily involve the technical coding or the technical you know physical physical aspects of it um, depending on what you're doing so we need to focus on them too because that's going to give people a lot more opportunity as they as they grow up um, as the role yeah, as the traditional roles may change yeah absolutely and as you know Ben there's a <clears throat> there's a truckload of resilience in in, in our community but um, the resilience that required to become an entrepreneur is a different type of resilience, isn't it? It's 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 something that um, you really need to have a lot of self belief as well as as resilience. Yeah, and we hope that Indigitech can help with that, with the community um, and the mentoring, and 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 just being there for people to reach out to. Uh, we hope that helps as well with that. And again, strong engagements and, and long-standing engagements with community so that there's there's always that ability to help out. And, you know, we have so many incredible entrepreneurs um, in, in the Indigitech community as well that, that can help and, and provide their advice and things like that. So, you know, there's a lot of areas to kind of, I guess you could say, you know, hit on, um, yeah. which is trying to focus on a few and, 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 and really drive that forward for the next sort of 12 months. Now, just before I let you go, you um, had a stint at hosting uh, Indigenous X for a week. And if people don't know what Indigenous X is, it's basically um, a website and a, a mainly a, a Twitter platform that has a rotational host every week. It's always an Indigenous person. Um, how did you find that experience? Yeah, it was really good. I was a bit uh, terrified at the start, to be honest. Um, but you know, I'm, I, I went in there with a with a very relaxed sort of. I'm just going to be a little bit be a bit nerdy. And we talked about a little bit about Dungeons and Dragons and art, and <laughs> music, and all kinds of stuff. Um, 
and it was good. There was a lot of really great engagement in there. And we we found, you know, we connected with some 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 great people. I, you know, we found some people who were working in the games industry that I didn't know. So people who were working in um, in writing and, and, and tabletop role playing games that I didn't know. Um, again, another great way to expand that community. Um, and 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 it was it was good in the end. A few good laughs on there as well. <laughs> well, thank you for your time, Ben. If you want to read uh, Ben's article, it's in the Guardian. Um, if you just go to the Indigenous section of the Guardian, you'll find it. But uh, the title of the article is "You Want More Diversity? Make your work a place. Make, make your work a place where black fellows feel valued." It's a very good article. I encourage you to go and read it. And uh, Ben Armstrong, thank you very much for your time. Much appreciate it. Uh, thanks, Daniel. Thanks for having me on. All right, cheers. This is a podcast from Triple R, an independent media organisation in Melbourne, Australia. To find out more about Triple R or to explore many more shows, podcasts, articles, videos and interviews, head to the Triple R website at rrr.org.au. You're listening to Triple R 102.7 FM. Now, in a time of um, pandemic, it's never been more essential um, than to be concise, up-to-date, culturally relevant and appropriate with information pertaining to this god-awful virus of ours. Uh, government schemes and other relevant messaging, it is, it's very important that those messages reach remote Aboriginal communities. That's why First Nations Media Australia has um, developed a project called Indigimob, a project that aims to improve digital literacy, uptake and access in remote areas. And it's continuing its work in supporting digital workers and trainers on communities to um, also produce material. To tell us about Indigimob and other things is the CEO of First Nations Media Australia, Catherine Little. Catherine is an Arunda Laritcha woman from Central Australia. Uh, she's also a journalist. Uh, she's worked at all levels across news and current affairs and production and presented news programs for Empowerja. NITV and the ABC, and she's also no stranger to Triple R, and she's on the line with us now. Catherine, welcome to the mission. Hello, and uh, thank you for having me. No sweat whatsoever. Uh, first of all, how are your friends and family holding up under the uh, under the COVID scenario? Oh, look, it, it's it, it's an interesting um, it's an interesting environment for sure. Um, we've uh, got my son-in-law and my daughter and um, their newborn baby, who are normally living in Elwood in Victoria. They're here with us, living in the front room. And then, um, you know, I've got three teenage boys, all the size, all bigger than their father. So um, the house is feeling <laughs> a bit cramped. <laughs> but at the same time, um, you know, we're we're very thankful that the family is together at this point in time, and and we're not worried worrying about, you know, whether or not Alexandra and Jackson are safe. Um, and then there's those other little bits and pieces. You know, I've got two brothers who are doctors, you know, they're front line. So are uh, we mm. concerned about them? Absolutely. Um, they tell us, you know, um, you know, we're doctors, so the chances are we will get it. Um, and, you know, part of you goes, okay, well, they're strong and healthy, but you're, you're aware of it. Um, and then you've got, we've got like a, you know, a 90, well, we're not 100% sure how old Nana is. Um, but she's at least 93. So um, explaining to a traditional woman who's 93 why you can't visit her um, is a really difficult thing to do. But at the same time, um, you know, where there's, there's there's blessings in this again and just like, I don't know, whether I'm able to hear that noise in the background, my okay. daughter calling up. <laughs> so that's a blessing to have her in the house with us at this point in time. Yes, you're, you're all going to get to know each other very well by the end of this, I'm sure. <laughs> Absolutely. <laughs> Uh, look, uh, what, what are some of the barriers to getting some of this vital information to, to remote communities? 
Look, the biggest barrier is that all the communications, obviously, that the government develop are really high level. Um, and they've done a really good job of trying to break down that messaging at varying levels. But uh, in remote communities, what we understand is that what works for one community will not work for the next. And, you know, if uh, it, it's sort of like, you know, talking to someone um, in, uh, I don't know, Spanish when they live in German. Germany and using the Spanish context to describe the environment just doesn't work. Um, right. A really good example of that would be per perhaps Papunya and uh, Yundamu. They're 80 kilometres apart. Um, one is Pindabilurja and the other is Walpri. Completely different in how you'd need to message to get um, the relevance and the context right for people in the bush. Yeah, so, you know, uh, hopefully listeners to, to this show now, now know how much diversity there is in the Aboriginal community across across the country. Um, you know, uh, sometimes English in remote communities is uh, not a secondary language, it's actually a tertiary language. And so, the you know, trying to communicate what the changes have been to Centrelink, for instance, um, is, is, uh, can be a, a mammoth task. Oh, absolutely. Enormously difficult. Um, and even understanding, you know, how Woolies is shut in the morning. I observed it the other morning. There was uh, a family that walked in and very quickly, you know, the incomers security guards and say, no, you have to leave. And the lack of comprehension, it was it was heartbreaking to watch, actually. Mm. Um, and they did a good job of trying to explain it. But this, this um, the understanding of why it was happening and why they weren't allowed into the shop just wasn't there. It wasn't connecting. It wasn't resonating. Yes, they'd heard messages, you know, because they asked, have you heard about the COVID virus? Yes, they had. But understanding how it applies to you is not has, is, is the biggest barrier we face and, and something that's being consistently fed back to us. Um, another example would be, you know, I saw some mob up the top of Anzac Hill. Anyone who's been to Alice Springs, you know, that's, a, that's yeah. where I go for my morning run. And there was some countrymen up there and um, they were all hugging. And I said, oh, listen, have you mob heard about this virus? And, um, you know, they said, oh, yeah, you, we got to stand a long way away. And I said, how, well, you know, we're all hugging. Yeah, but we're not that far away. And I said, well, do you understand how far away it is? And so we walked through it and I said, you know, one step, two steps, three steps, this far. Yeah, no worries. And at the end of that conversation, you know, she says to me, but you don't have to worry about us because Jesus is going to save us um, because we're Aboriginal and we, he treats us differently. And um, that is emerging as a huge issue, um, and they're trying to get the incarters. So the incarters are pastors in the bush to explain that, you know, if, if that's your belief system, that's all good and well, but even, you know, even um, Jesus wants you to wash your hands and stand far apart. But there are, you know, massive, massive barriers for communicating this information. See, the, the, the hangover from uh, from uh, colonialisation is still wreaking havoc and risking lives. It's amazing. In this um, day and age, must be uh, must be something to to, to witness. Um, so, how would um, you know? I understand that uh, the, the project Indigenous um, Mob's been around since around about 2016, but you're looking to ramp it up now. What can that project do to help address some of these issues? 
Look, the Indigimob project, as you as you mentioned in in your introduction, was effectively designed because it was observed that there was a massive digital divide. Um, there's a couple of reasons for that. One is access to the technology. Um, the other is, you know, the fact that what is this new technology? Um, and the third is who's going to explain to people how to actually protect yourselves online? So um, that's been doing a fantastic job, not only of um, creating jobs in local communities by because it's a train-the-trainer model. So effectively, we have uh, mentors and then they train access workers. Those access workers are responsible for identifying a site in the community, bringing community mob in and saying, okay, when you get online, this is what you can do with it. This is how you protect yourself and this is how you share your information. So it is at this point in time, uh, what we've found is that level of um, interactions disappeared because you can no longer travel. Um, and our communities now more than ever need to be able to use these tools because it is going to be a long time before the communities that have in Digimob um, are reopened. Um, our understanding is, you know, when, when the rest of the, um, you know, the territory starts opening up, that will not be the same for our, our remote communities because they're so vulnerable. There's so many um, problems associated with comorbidities and, um, you know, just even basic poverty. You know, there's levels of poverty yeah. that are out there. So um, what they've done is they've reached out and they've said, look, in the short term, we ca we need to make different messages. The messages that are coming through, people don't understand it. We, I, I gave you an example of that um, just a moment ago. So what can we do to change this? And we think that we can use different ways of communicating with our mob to demonstrate, well, what does three steps look like? What does a metre and a half look like? Um, we had a fantastic example come out of poor media the other day uh, to, telling people to, you know, don't travel. And, you know, tell Unruh if they can't travel. That's heartbreaking. You know, you want yeah. to Kate shoot kangaroos. You want to go into town uh, and pick up food. You know, you might want to go and visit someone. How are you going to explain that? So what they did was they used an animation um, and we supported it through, you know, digital technology. And uh, they illustrated it with Indigimoji. So um, I'm sure you're all used to using emojis. Well, Indigimob uh, partnered on a fantastic project where they actually developed Indigenous versions of those uh, emojis, Indigimojis, Brilliant. and uh, and they created this entire story out of it, which is fantastic. And you know, the mob out bush, they love it. So before I before I let you go, and we're, you know, running out of time, if you're ever in Melbourne, by the way, um, let me know, and we'll um, do an in studio thing once this whole mess is over. Um, how do you? How do you think the Australian media is tracking at the moment in terms of the way it portrays Aboriginal people? Oh, look, I think it's doing a lot better than it did. Um, does it still have a long way to go? Yeah, I mean, just even the fact that, you know, we're still Aboriginal is other. Um, you know, that, that, one does, that one does my head. Yeah. Um, <laughs> but, look, I, a couple of uh, months ago, before all this happened, I saw a video of the emergence of karma. And, um, you know, if you're not familiar with the Aboriginal media landscape, karma was sort of like the beacon. It was the one that broke yeah. through. And I remember at the time it was being launched, it was not long – it was around about the same time Uluru was handed back. So my family are TOs for that country. It was a big deal, and people fought very, very hard for this, and we were very, very excited. Um, and I was only about 10, I think, at the time it was handed back. Um, but what I do remember for, from it was when we came into town and put the TV on, the vitriol being thrown at Aboriginal people over this particular event was horrific, and I remember it to this day. And you'd sit there as a kid and go – 
why does everyone hate us? Um, now, I had that memory, but it wasn't mm. until I saw this documentary that went back and showed the tone of media at the time that you went, oh, my goodness, you couldn't believe that the way we were represented in the media existed, the way it was acceptable talk about us in the media um, was also accepted. And, you know, one of the articles they were showing was the ABC, which is, you know, the pinnacle of what is considered to be balanced journalism. Um, and when you look at something like that, you realise that our media has come a long way. And I mean media across, um, you know, across the country, everyone's media. But and, and I think that it is absolutely our media that has driven that change. As we've got more and more people out there, more and more people with the skills to get in more senior leadership positions, they're the people that are changing the tone because they're bringing a different perspective. And every time our media organisations come up with a great story, well, you know, it's not long before someone picks it up and reframes it. And, and that's not necessarily a bad thing. So do we have some way to go? Absolutely. Am I cognizant that we've come a long way? Absolutely. And am I grateful that it's changing? Absolutely. Well, you're at the uh, forefront of that, Catherine, through your work with First Nations Media Australia. Couldn't think of a better person to be at the helm. Um, thank you so much for your time and um, all power to you and look after yourself, please. No worries. Thank you very much. All right. Bye-bye. Thanks for listening to the podcast of Triple R's The Mission, a weekly radio show exploring the issues that impact the lives of Aboriginal people and those at the wrong end of social justice in this country. The mission is broadcast live on Triple R every Tuesday evening. Hope you've enjoyed the podcast and feel free to get in touch via the Triple R website. <laughs>